Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to mini episode 119 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have five spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from May the 6th 2021 and story number one comes from Sarah. I'm from a small place in Wales filled with tales of giants and even King Arthur but my stories are a little more darker than the shining knight and his magic sword. My family has got a few ghostly stories but I'll pick my top two. Before I was a twinkle in my father's eye, my grandfather used to sneak down the river into our town, which was just a glorified village, and poach salmon. Obviously this was a frowned upon activity, and therefore he would have to be silent and in complete darkness normally, around the early hours of the morning. Sitting on the bank on his own, lit with the light of the moon, a bell began to ring on the opposite bank. He heard the bell travel up the hill and disappear. Believing it was a cat or an animal with a collar moving in the dark, he carried on waiting for the salmon to bite. But yet again, the ringing bell was at the opposite side of the bank. The tension began to rise and he thought maybe it was the police. Sitting in the darkness, not making a sound, he was hoping not to be fined for his illegal activities. And again he heard the bell run up the hill and disappear. Sitting there scared to take a breath, he sat in utter silence. He felt a heavy breathing down the side of his neck, with a low snarl echoing in his ear. In a rush to see who was there, he put his flashlight on to see nothing was next to him, or in the field that he was sat in. He left everything there that night, all the rods and coolers, and came back and collected them in the daylight. He banned my mum and her sister from going out when it was dark, and he never went out after the sun went down. I believe the only silver lining with this story is that my mom and my auntie didn't have to share a bathroom with poached salmon again. Fast forward to when I was born and in my early teens. I lived in a small two-bedroom bungalow with my mum. I suffered badly with nightmares, constantly having the same repeated dream. When I would fall asleep I would be in my dream and my room layout was the exact same as it was in real life. However, I would wake up in my dream and see a dark figure in my bedroom window staring right at me. I would close my eyes and roll over to my left side. Terrified, I would slowly open my eyes and see the figure had moved into the house and I would see the shadow in the gap underneath my door. Petrified and feeling my body fill with fear, I would close my eyes and lie on my back to only then feel dread. I could feel that the figure was now in the bedroom. Scared to open my eyes, I would listen to pinpoint where the figure was, but it would be dead silent. 
Gathering all of my bravery, I would always open my eyes slightly to see the figure leaning over me, inches away from my face, breathing slowly. That creepy, deep exhale breathing. As soon as I started to scream, I would wake up, shaking every time. I know it wasn't sleep paralysis because I was totally asleep. However, I had that dream at least four times a week for five years until I left home. There were nights that I would lie awake terrified to fall asleep, knowing that the nightmare was coming. I would hear what sounded like footsteps walking from one corner of my room to another, but it was coming from the attic. We live near the countryside, so I know the sound of rats or mice scurrying. This was heavier and seemed to have a pattern, walking from one corner to the other, pacing the attic. It wouldn't stop until the daylight came in the morning. The room freaked me out so badly that I would rarely be home in my later teens. I'd find anywhere to stay so I could avoid sleeping in that room. I never had that nightmare again when I left, but I've recently come back home after an end to a long-term relationship. I've moved into my mum's old room, which is also a library, The strange thing is, my mum has mentioned how she hates sleeping in my old room. Things seem to get moved or go missing. Lights turn on when she knows that she's turned them off. She suffers with night terrors. She sometimes will sleepwalk and suddenly scream the house down screaming for help at the top of her lungs. She'd be soaking because of a cold sweat and panicking in the corner of her room. I would tuck her back into bed and wait for her to return to sleep before I left so that I knew she was safe. The thing is, we don't know who or what it is. We know the last tenant died in the house about 29 years ago. Unfortunately, he suffered from an addiction to alcohol and was an aggressive man. So is it him? Or have I gone mad? It's strange being home. It feels like someone walks the corridor when you're tucked in bed and listens to your conversations just always on the other side of the door. But I don't need any more drama in my life, living or not. I wonder what those bells were on the hillside. Like, was it a weird coincidence that your grandfather heard those bells and then heard the growling in his ear? To be honest, I don't blame him for deciding, no, that's it, we're not going out after dark again, because I think I would be the same. Anytime people send in stories where they have sleep paralysis or really bad nightmares that are recurring, I honestly think, wow, how amazing is it that this person even is brave enough to go to sleep every night. I know that sounds like a really stupid thing to say, but I would be the same. I think I would be terrified to go to bed because I would be thinking, I don't know if I can cope with these dreams anymore. I don't know if I can cope with these nightmares. And I don't know if it's better or worse to get validation from your mum to say, I find that room really scary too. Things happen all the time. Because is it easier when you know it's just your imagination or your psyche or your subconscious that's creating this? Like, does it make it worse when you find out oh, other people are experiencing it too so it can't just be a me thing. I think in general what I've concluded from this story is that your grandfather was haunted by a giant revenge-seeking salmon. And story number two comes from Liz. I'm a veterinary surgeon and I used to work in a big hospital in Bristol. I started work here at the vets in 2016. A lot of vet practices are in repurposed buildings. This practice was in an old stone building which had a double front with huge windows on the ground floor and upstairs. The practice had been added to, so there was an old part and a new part. Most of the clinical areas were in the new part, but the offices and main entrance were in the old building. The practice is huge, and during the day it's full of people and animals. 
In 2016, I was an intern and part of my job was to work a week of night shifts. Now, because the practice was so big, the night team was an intern, a night vet, a night nurse and a cleaner or animal care assistant. So you were never truly alone. One night when I was working, the other vet, the nurse and I were in the cat ward, which was in the new part of the building, checking on one of the patients. When the night cleaner burst into the room with a pile of laundry and said, there's a man downstairs. At first we assumed she meant it was a client or an owner of a patient. So the other vet working with me asked where he was. She said he was in Ops 3. Ops 3 is the operating area for the practice in the old part of the building and definitely wasn't accessible to the public. Now being a big vet practice it's not unreasonable to think perhaps someone had broken in looking for money or drugs. So the night vet went to look. While he was gone we asked the cleaner what happened and she said she was getting laundry from the dryer in the old building and when she came out of the laundry room a tall man dressed in a suit was standing in the corner of the room. She was so scared she ran across the room and didn't stop running until she reached us upstairs in the cat ward. I've never seen someone look so horrified in my life. Of course when the night vet came back upstairs he reported there was nobody there. When I returned to day shifts the next week I talked to some of my friends about what happened and they told me that the building was haunted. They said before the building was a vet's an exorcism was performed in the upstairs of the old building because a woman was frequently seen standing in the window when the property was empty. After this conversation I found a similar story on Google. This didn't mesh exactly with the man in the operating room so I put it out of my mind. A few years later, I was the operating vet for the day and I had just finished my last op. The nurse had taken my patient back to wards and I was sitting in Ops 3 to write my notes on the computer. Sat at the computer, I had my back to the room and the AC kept blowing my hair so that it was tickling my neck on the left side. I kept pushing it back over my shoulder and eventually I let out a frustrated ugh. And as I pushed my hair back, I heard a very quiet chuckle. It was so quiet at first that I thought it was my chair squeaking or someone in the laundry room laughing. I had thought that I was alone, so I crossed to the laundry room door and pushed it open to peer inside. No one was there. As I ducked back out, I felt a chill. And crossing back to my chair, I'm certain I heard the same chuckling noise again. I've always been interested in the paranormal, but being a scientist, I have never, and maybe still don't, truly believed. But I trust what I see and what I hear. My colleague saw a man in that room, and I'm sure I heard a man laughing at me. Publicly, I can brush this off as me hearing someone far away laughing, but I always wonder about that experience. Now I live in Ashford, and I've just started working at a new practice. And last week, my colleagues told me that this practice was haunted too. Watch this space for another haunted vets. This time, though, I will definitely note myself out of there if I see or hear anything. Just want to say a massive shout out to Liz and all the other vets out there that are listening and vet technicians and anybody who works in a vets because they are amazing people. You are amazing people. And so many vets are repurposed buildings. Like I think I've been in one maybe that was a purpose built veterinary surgery, but so many of them are old houses, their old residential properties, their old businesses, whatever they are, but they've been there for a really long time. Like I know at the moment there is a house for sale in Canterbury, 
but that house was previously a vet and in all the sale pictures it's basically still a vet so all the operating rooms are still intact the whole lot which I find a little bit freaky I'm not gonna lie and ordinarily I wouldn't think much about old houses and old buildings like I wouldn't find them particularly freaky but what is it about vets they're just such emotionally loaded places so if you've got a a building that's already haunted that something has happened there and if you believe in the theory that entities feed off energy or energy makes them stronger like human energy whatever there's a lot of energy in a vet a lot of nervous tension a lot of worry a lot of anger a lot of fear a lot of sadness so it would kind of be the perfect place to like turbo up your haunting and as a side note many years ago when i first moved to england i used to live in ashford everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And story number three comes from Alice. Both my mother and I experienced things in my childhood home. My dad and my sister never did, but they're not sensitive. Neither of them enjoy horror films or scary experiences, whereas I love them, which I guess can attract paranormal activity, or at least make you more open to it. Up to the age of 21, we all lived in a Victorian house in Sussex. Yep, it's classic creepy old house stuff again, I'm afraid. My nana lived with us too. My first experience was when I was very young, I was five or six, and I remember being in my nana's kitchen, looking out of her window and onto the garden. Out onto the lawn, with her back to me, was an old woman. I say old, that was because she had snow-white hair, done in that perm style old ladies seemed to favour. However, she was tall and robust, wearing a floral dress. I remember being confused because it was winter and this woman was not wearing a coat. She just stood there with her back to me, not moving. I was more curious than scared, to be honest, and I ran to get my mum. I told her there was an old lady in the garden. When we reached the window, the woman had gone, of course. My mum said I'd probably just seen my nana, but nana had a bad back and was quite bent over. The woman I saw looked strong and tall. I told my mum this and she went quiet. It turns out her maternal grandmother, who died just after I was born, had looked like that. Very tall, strong and favoured floral dresses. She stayed in good health right up until she died in her 90s. I just wish I'd been able to see her face. Cats are, and always will be, a very important part of our family life and history. When I was a baby, my parents had a grey cat called Charles. There are pictures of me as a premature baby cuddled up with him. He's bigger than me 
and has his paw resting over me as if to protect me. I loved him so much and I still get a lump in my throat when I think of him. He'd sleep with me at night and would guard me when I was sick. When he died, I was seven and I was heartbroken. Charles, however, continued to visit me at night and I got quite used to the soft thump on my bed, then there being nothing there. We got two new cats, two girls, and one of them took up watching a corner of the living room. We christened it the Haunted Corner. When she got old, she lost her sight, but still used to watch the same spot avidly, watching something that nobody else could see. Another time I was walking down our drive when I saw a beautiful white cat dart into the road. I saw a car come. I saw it hit the cat. I saw its legs tangle into the wheels. To my utter shock, the car simply drove off without checking on what it had hit. Only once the road was clear, there was no body, no blood, nothing. Rather ironically, I developed a serious cat allergy in my teens and now have to use an asthma pump when I visit my parents. Still, all these years on, I still occasionally feel the soft thump of a cat landing on my bed. If guardian angels are a thing, mine definitely has grey fur and a tail. There are a few other little bits and pieces from our time in that house. One night, my mum went to check on my little sister in bed, and it started raining in the doorway of the room. Just a one-off, never happened again. Another time she saw the end of a crimson cloak whip around a door. Once I was standing outside opposite the house waiting for a driving instructor when I looked up to see a man standing in our drive. He had a brown beard and a long trench coat. He seemed upset and confused. A car went past and he vanished. Another time, my mum and I were driving back at night when we both looked up and saw a woman in the road outside our house. She was dressed all in white. In fact, I remember my mum saying, Oh, woman in white. She was standing in the middle of the road staring. We obviously slowed down as she wasn't moving. And then she just dispersed like snow right in front of us. It was summertime. The only annoying thing about this one is my mum now says she can't remember this incident at all. But I know we both saw her at the time. The last one I'll tell is the only time in that house I felt truly terrified. Apart from that, the experience has left me feeling curious, kind of pumped up. This one, though, was not nice at all. And it's typically the story that can actually be scientifically explained. I've always suffered with sleep paralysis. Not nice generally, but when you're a child, it's absolutely petrifying. I was about 12 years old and woke in the middle of the night, and I felt the dreaded sensation of my body locking. My arms and legs were dead weight. I could open my eyes and make weird noises, and my mouth was slightly open. My mum must have heard me cry out because she came in to check on me. I could see her trying to comfort me, but something wasn't right. I had a sense of utter dread building inside and there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. Before my eyes, she started to melt. Her skin dripped like wax and she transformed into what I can only describe as a hag. Think the evil queen from Snow White. This thing then climbed onto my chest and placed her arms around my neck. I could feel her gnarled nails digging into my skin. The pressure on my chest was getting heavier and heavier. She was strangling me and there was nothing I could do about it. Then I managed with all of my might to move my little toe. 
My body unlocked and she vanished. After that, I trained myself to always sleep on my front or my side to avoid it happening, as it seems to only affect me if I'm lying on my back. I still sleep like that now, over 15 years later. And I still get sleep paralysis, but I've never experienced anything like the hag since. Obviously, you could argue that I was dreaming, but I was awake and it felt very real. I know for the people that experience it at the time, it's probably not very pleasant, but there is something very comforting about people who have not previously met a relative that has passed away, seeing that relative that has passed away later in time, especially when it's kind of non-intrusive and like a positive experience. And as I've said earlier in this episode, sleep paralysis is a very scary experience, but I still... I still don't understand why so many people see the same thing during episodes of sleep paralysis. That's the thing about sleep paralysis that I find the most unsettling. And story number four comes from Mike. My brother and I were staying over at a friend's house. We were sitting downstairs with our friend, his dad and his brother. Our friend's mom was in the kitchen washing dishes. And that's when we heard it. Something running up and down the stairs. The mom thought it was us until she went to the stairs and saw two kids at the top. When I was 15, I was in state custody. I was standing next to a door that had a window in it leading to a staircase and an exit to outside. While standing next to the door, out of the corner of my right eye, I saw two shadows running down the stairs and out the exit door. I asked my friend to stand where I was to see if he could see what I saw. And he did. I went back to the spot to see if I could see it again. I did. However, this time, out of my left eye, I see a big black shadow go into my room. I woke up the next morning with three scratch marks on both of my forearms. The following events all took place from the age of 16 to my mid-twenties. The first night after I moved back in with my mom, I turned over to go to sleep and saw an outline of a Native American man with a headdress on the wall. I was standing in the restroom one day. It was springtime, so I opened the window. All of a sudden, I felt a hand on my shoulder. I had just finished helping my boss and was sitting talking to a friend who took me home. We both saw an older man walk in front of a dryer, blocking out part of it, and continue to walk into a barn. And from the age of 30 until now, every so often I would be laying in bed, watching a tablet, and I'd see a woman in a white gown walk into our room and disappear in front of the dresser. There are times when I would be doing the dishes and feel something watching me from the darkness of the hallway near my daughter's room. So let's go through this one by one. Two kids at the top of the stairs, absolute nope, deserve to be yeeted down those stairs. Shadow figures running up and down the stairs, again, absolute nope. I always think it's really interesting that people end up with three scratches. I know that on Ghost Avengers and stuff, they say, oh, it's the mocking of the Holy Trinity, which I just fundamentally don't believe. I think they've made that up. I think it's nonsense. But it does happen that people get three scratches and I would love to know why. Is it a three-fingered entity? Three-clawed entity? I don't know. I don't like any haunting bits that take place in a restroom or in a toilet or in a bathroom because that is a sacred space, okay? Nobody needs to have any paranormal intrusion while they're using the restroom for whatever reason. And to be honest, Mike, you sound pretty calm about all these experiences. So good on you. And story number five comes from Cody. For starters, I'm agnostic but live a pagan lifestyle. As in, I use an altar and worship many spirits of the earth. I lived in Alabama with my now ex-boyfriend. 
When I moved in, he told me the house was haunted, but I didn't realise how haunted this place was. He worked third shift, so I was alone at night. I would hear people, like a couple, talking and arguing at night, as if they were standing in the closet against the wall my head was against. I would ignore it, and a week or so later I started hearing things like a table and chairs being thrown against the walls. I would walk into the dining room and nothing would be moved, not a single thing. I saged and cleaned the house as much as possible and then decided to set out my altar. My boyfriend did not like me not being Christian, but he accepted it, at first. I decided to move our bedroom to the room off the utility room, and that's when things went bad quickly. The next day, he came home and broke up with me. Now, I lived in Georgia beforehand. I had moved states and had nobody, so I was stuck. He would spend a day or so with his friend away from the house and he would apologise and we would get back together. So I would be in this house alone when we would break up. This started happening often and started right after we moved into that room. During those times of us being broken up, even if I knew it wasn't time for him to be home or he would be staying with his friend, I would hear the front door open, him taking off his boots, putting his keys on the table and his voice saying, Hey baby, I'm home, I love you like he always did. I would go and check and nothing. His car wouldn't be there, there would be no keys on the table, no sign of him. I would sage again and just hope that things would get better. Then things would start to become physical. I would be woken up by being shaken awake. I would have nightmares of things being in the house and literally holding us away from each other. I would wake up sweating, shaking and crying. I ended up pregnant and things changed for the worst. He and I split for good. He didn't even want to be around me. And if I saged the house, he would become irate. I had to put away my altar because he saw it one day and completely lost my mind. It was like it physically hurt him to see it. Hearing him come home when he wasn't physically there became more and more frequent. It wasn't like I was hoping for it. I wasn't projecting it or anything. I actually heard it. My friend was on the phone one day and heard it also. So it's not like I was going crazy. Finally, he started staying at his friend's while I looked for a place to move to. This lasted for three weeks before my sister came to get me. During these three weeks, I didn't hear from him or see him. Not at all. He would wait for me to be at work and come and get whatever he needed and make sure that he was gone before I came home. He wouldn't answer my calls or my texts. I was living in this prison alone. Nobody around, no support system, and I started sleeping unless I was at work or hungry. That's the only time I would be awake. I was woken one day, feeling somebody shake me and saying, Baby, I'm home. Are you okay? Baby, wake up. I woke up to seeing somebody walking out my bedroom door. It looked like him. I ran out and into the dining room. The door was still locked. There was no car in the driveway. The door never opened or shut, and I know what I saw. I turned around to walk back to pass out and not think about anything. I was walking into the kitchen and I looked up. Standing in front of me, about four feet, was a child, with dark features looking like a shadow was hanging over it. But it was there. I was paralysed. I started crying and I watched it for what felt like an hour. It may have only been a minute, but time felt like it was frozen. I finally just asked, What do you want? It turned and ran behind my water heater. The water heater is in the corner of the utility room. 
There's absolutely no way it could have gotten behind it and there's no way to get out of the house that way. I finally just walked into my room and cried myself to sleep because I knew I was being told it was done and there was no way to salvage anything with my baby's father. That night, at midnight, I got the message, get the fuck out of my house. I left that night and never went back. He still lives there, a new girl lives with him, and she says there are things she can't describe and he does the same things to her. She's pregnant and he's doing his breakup and makeup stuff with her and I've tried to warn her. I am happy as can be now. I ended up being pregnant with twins. I lost them on August the 27th, 2020, but I'm no longer being tortured in that house. I'm still trying to move on from the guy, but that house is not meant for a happy family. I hope they get out before it ruins them and he has the life that he wants. On a side note, he was happily married when he moved into the house. He said he slowly just felt like he fell out of love with her, even though they were really happy together. He came home one day and just told her, I don't know what happened. I'm not happy. I don't love you. That house isn't good for him, but I'm free of it. Firstly, I'm obviously so sorry for the loss of your twins. What an absolutely horrific thing to have to go through for anybody. And secondly, I'm going to be really honest here. From your description of him, he he doesn't sound like he's very emotionally mature. And while that situation brought you a huge amount of trauma for various reasons, I am also very glad that you are not in that situation anymore. Thank you so much for listening to today's mini episode. Thank you to Sarah, Liz, Alice, Mike and Cody for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from May the 6th, 2021. And if you would like to learn anything about Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast, you can do so by checking out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 